Well, we're glad you're here with us on live streaming podcast. Glad that you could join us tonight, that we're all together. We're like one big family. Yes. Amen. 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 Praise God. Barbara. Hello, Barbara. Yes, we do miss you. Looking forward to you coming back. Charlotte, Bart, we're looking forward to when you move back. Amen. I know you're coming back for a few months, so that'd be great. Look forward to it. And, of course, Kenny and Tanya, we look forward to you coming back and visiting and Pedro coming back and visiting. But we're glad you're there. We're glad we're still connected together. Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and stand. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's bless him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I bless you, Lord God. I give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. You are the living one, the glorious one, high and lifted up by you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Name that's above every name. Name that's above every sickness and disease. The name that's above lack, above all of the curse. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us that name, that victorious name, the name of authority in all of heaven and on earth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Now, Father, I just thank you that as we come before your word and sit at your feet, that you will, by your Holy Spirit, teach us your word and impart revelation into our heart, that the power of hell will not be able to stand against it. But we'll take hold of your word, be who your word says we can be, do what your word says we can do, have what your word says that we can have. Father, I just thank you that we continue to conform to the image of Jesus, developing in your divine nature, increasing more and more in your wisdom and, and understanding and knowledge that we will walk in a manner worthy of you, pleasing you in all respects and bearing fruit in every good work. We thank you and bless you for that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. If you would open with me this evening to Revelation chapter 3. How many of you like being an overcomer? Amen. You know, there's great promises in the Bible for overcomers. Amen. Amen. So um, uh, we're moving on to the next uh, church in the uh, churches of Revelation. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving on to another church. This is my way of telling you. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're going to be looking at the church of Philadelphia tonight. And in Revelation chapter 3 and in verse 7. He says, and to the ch- angel of the church in Philadelphia write, he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David and opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one opens. All right. We know that when it says the angel, he's talking about the messenger or he's writing to the pastor of the church. And the pastor is then to, uh, hello, Sidna, glad you're there. And then um, the, the pastor is to um, uh, pass the, what the Lord gives the pastor is designed then to pass on to the people. Uh, And that still goes on today. You know, there's times that the Lord speaks to me about things to speak to you about. Okay, there's times that God gets on me about some stuff and I get on you. You know, that's how it works. (laughs) So 
He's speaking now to the, the pastor of the church of Philadelphia, and Philadelphia was the youngest of all the churches in the book of Revelation. And it was on a highway that led into the interior of the country. And Philadelphia is, is the word uh, philos, which means to love dearly, and adelphos, which means the unity of the womb. Because uh, a King Attalus, he built the city and he then dedicated it to his brother, who he really loved dearly. And that's where the word Philadelphia came from, means to love dearly, one of the same womb and identity of origin and brothers together. And that's what Philadelphia is about. So um, I, I wouldn't say that the state of Philadelphia stands up to that, but that's what the, the church, the city was about. Uh, so the church represents, in the book of Revelation, it represents the age of the missionary. Uh, the, city, the city of Philadelphia was built to spread the Greek language, Greek thought, and Greek culture to the world. And... Um, it was the citadel of Greek culture. And when Attalus built the city, it was built for the express purpose of evangelizing the world with the Greek culture and the Greek language. So the missionary zeal that was in the church did not start with the church. That was the purpose of the city. Okay, So the city was built three centuries before the gospel was ever even preached. So therefore, that's the heritage of the city. So if there's something you want to get into the church, that would be something good in the city to get into the church, and that would be the, the, the uh, uh, age of the missionary. By 17 A.D., many people spoke the Greek language, and they, actually, they absolutely lost their own language, and they only spoke Greek. So they were being evangelized, that they took up the Greek language and they let go of their own languages. So uh, Jesus is now calling on the church to evangelize in the same way. Amen. You know, when you get evangelized, you're supposed to take up the nature of Jesus and then give up that old nature that you, that you had. Stop walking in the old ways and take on the new. And that was the whole idea of the, the spreading of the Greek culture, is that that would be the main culture. Okay? So in the city of Philadelphia... Behind the city, there was volcanic cliffs, and they gave them the names the Inkwells. And on the other side of the city, the land was exceedingly fertile, and there was produced fine grapes for wine. So because of the volcanoes, they created earthquakes. So the city of Philadelphia was very fertile, but it was very volatile. Well, many times the most fertile ground for the gospel is the most dangerous ground. Think about the Middle East, China, parts of Africa, Cuba. The most fertile area is the most volatile. Now, because of the volcanoes, earthquakes brought great damage to Philadelphia, but the people would rebuild the city. But what happens after earthquakes? Does anybody know? Aftershocks, tremors, you know, continues on after the earthquakes, okay? Well, it was happening on a daily basis. Every day they were getting tremors through Philadelphia, and it was 
almost driving the people insane and trying to live with all these tremors. And they were starting to live in great fear. And it continually brought destruction to the city. And people were driven out. I mean, this was a fine, fertile city, but people were driven out of this city and they would go live in mud huts because it was a safer place than living in the city of Philadelphia. Well, it's just like the body of Christ. Through the years, there's been many scandals. It's caused earthquakes within the body. People tried to hang in, but there was continual tremors after shocks. And that ministry was shaking, this ministry was shaking, the quakes of large ministries, tremors of the smaller unknown ministries, and it was all affecting people, affecting them with fear and shock and terror and panic. And people were driven out of the fine, fertile places within the body of Christ and driven out of the citadel of God to live in the mud huts of worldly security. The devil don't want the church to take hold of the golden opportunity at hand of taking the gospel into all the world, including right here in our own backyard. The devil knows that the USA has all the finances needed to reach the whole world. God's blessings reside in the place of brotherly love. And the devil knows that. And Psalm 133 says that's where the blessing resides and the anointing is released. The devil wants to bring chaos and division. Whenever there's chaos and division, you could pretty much bet the devil is working. So now, because within the body of Christ, because of ministry, quakes and tremors, people in the churches are not living in one accord, but living in fear. Fearful of getting involved, fearful of getting close, fearful of developing relationships, fearful of getting hurt again. And people are running out of the great citadel of the body of Christ and running out into the open places and separating themselves from one another, living in isolated little spiritual shanties and mud huts and losing out on the fertility and the fullness that Christ intended for them to enjoy. And if the devil can keep us out of unity, then the anointing and the blessing, will, uh, he'll keep us out of that and he'll keep the gospel from being spread. It's very hard to tell somebody how good Jesus is when you're living in a spiritual mud hut. And that's how the gospel gets affected. And the power of it is brought down. Because the power is in the corporate, not in the individual. And the devil knows it. And he's done a lot to create Division and chaos because of earthquakes and tremors, just like in the city of Philadelphia. So Jesus said of himself, he who is holy, who is true and has the key of David. That's how he describes himself, that he is holy. He's the sanctified and consecrated one. Jesus is separating himself from any other one that's called a God. All gods do not work together. There is no other God except the Most High God. I am he that is separated to the purposes of the Most High God. I am he that is true. 
I'm one that cannot lie. I'm real. I'm genuine. The church was being tempted. The church of Philadelphia was being tempted to question the genuineness of Christ and his gospel. And we get tempted like that when our experiences don't seem to line up with what we think we believe. You believe in healing, but your body don't quit hurting. You believe in sowing and reaping, but you give and wonder when you're going to reap. And that's when the thoughts of speculation start to come. The Philadelphia church believed they had a mandate to evangelize, but they ran into many roadblocks from the Jews, from the Roman government. They preached victory, but had much defeat. Therefore, they started speculating to the genuineness of Christ. And Jesus is telling them, don't lean to those other things. I am the real one. And I have the key of David. And it implies I have it, which implies continual possession. And I have a masterful grip. I have it, the key. The key is always a symbol of authority in Scripture. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 22, Eliakim was the one that admitted people into the presence of God. When he opened or shut the door, that's the way that it remained. Because he was the one that had the key. I'm he who is holy, who is true. I have the key of David. I open and no one will shut. And I'm the one that shuts and no one opens. Which is pointing to his worldwide dominion. He opens and shuts, and no one, absolutely no one, not even one, not even the least, can do anything otherwise. He has absolute authority, and that is great news. If he opens the door for you, the devil cannot shut it. If he shuts the door on the devil, then it cannot be opened. Amen. This church of Philadelphia was running into obstacle after obstacle, but Jesus said, don't stop because of it. I have opened it, and no one can shut it. Now, run over to Acts 16 for a moment. We'll come back here, but but I want to make an important point to you. Acts 16 in verse 6. The Apostle Paul was out on one of his missionary trips, and it says here in verse 6, they passed through the the uh, Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, we know that was not a permanent, um, that was not a permanent thing not to speak the word in Asia, but it meant at that particular time. He wanted, the Lord wanted him to go to Macedonia, right? Okay, here's the point. If God closes the door. He'll let you know. You don't need to sit there and go, I think maybe God's closing the door. Oh, I don't know. Things aren't working right. I think God closed the door on that. No, 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 no. You know what you know? Nothing. Now, I say that in all sincerity because I remember when my pastor said to me about it, he said, did you pray about such and such? I said, well, I did. He says, well, what did the Lord say? I was going, well, he didn't really say anything. So I'm supposing that And he said, no, what you know is that you don't know. He says, now you go home and pray again until you do know. (laughs) The only thing I knew was that I didn't know. And that's what we do. And we suppose because we get right up there in that little pea brain and want to figure everything out. Well, it's not working, so I suppose God's shutting that door. No, no, no. If he shuts the door, he'll let you know. And if he opens the door, he'll let you know. 
You don't have to suppose. It's not going to be a surprise and not, uh, or, or anything. And if, it's, and if he shuts the door on you, he forbids you. Go to, if he shuts the door on something and he lets you know about it, you could forget about trying to open it. You could forget about trying to squeeze in through a window. You could forget about trying to go through a crack in the wall. You could forget about praying. You could forget about fasting. It's done. Amen. And you need to know the difference between whether the Lord's closing the door or whether the devil's the obstacle. And you know it in here. He'll let you know. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go back over to Revelation 3. Let's read verse 8. He said, I know your deeds. Before, behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. I know. I know it firsthand. I've been there. I've walked through the church. I've seen it for myself. I don't need a report from an angel. I've been there and I see. I know your deeds and behold. And the word behold is not like you see in the movies. Behold. No, it's not behold. It's all like, wow, look at this. Look, did, have you seen this? Look, wow, give your attention to this. This, oh, this is important. And that's as demonstrative as I get. But it's a very demonstrative word, behold, okay? <laughs> and it's almost like he's going, hey, come here, look at this, look at this. So he says, I know your deeds, but hey, look, I put before you an open door that nobody could shut. And he says, I put it before you. The word before means in your face, right in your presence. There's an open door and access and an opportunity. And Jesus says, I've given a door. It's right in front of you, even right in your face. You don't need to strain to try to find an open door. When an opportunity of the Lord comes, it will be in your face. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I, I seem to be a little more excited than you. The now, we told you that the, uh, the, the city was built on the road that was leading into the interior of the country. So the imperial, road, the imperial road went right through Philadelphia. And soldiers traveled on it. Travelers would travel on it. Merchants traveled on it. And even the Caesars themselves would travel on the imperial road. And it was a postal road. So you could, everybody traveled going, through, going someplace. But they traveled down this road through Philadelphia going someplace. So you could actually evangelize the whole world and never leave your town. Like where you live. Like right where you live. You live in Charlotte County where people come from all over the world. You can't go to Marshalls without hearing people talking, whether they're talking Russian or they're talking uh, Scandinavian or whatever it is that they're, they're talking foreign languages. You know they're not from here. They come from all over the world to Charlotte County. 
What an open door for the gospel. They come from all over to vacation. A lot of people come from other places and move here. Other people are just passing on through. But you can reach people from all over the country and all over the world. It's an open door that God's put in your face. You can reach a family, and they have 15 relatives come to visit them. You can touch the whole world because you touch that one person, which is essence, whoever they touch is being touched by you. You know about the resort being built in Charlotte County. How many people are upset about that resort? I can't believe they're putting a resort there. Oh, that's such a waste of money. I don't know why they, I'll tell you why. It's an open door in your face. Oh, but they're going to come and gamble. An open door in your face. Amen. Brings people to stand in your door. 20 people can leave here saved and touch hundreds somewhere else, and you'll never know about it. But it'll go on your account. College towns, military towns. I remember when they were going to build a, a college campus down Vermont Road, uh, someplace down here. And all I heard was people, oh, you know what the traffic is going to be like. Oh, you know what this is going to be like. I, I can't believe they want to build that down there. This is Christian people. And I said, do you know what an opportunity that would be? Yeah, yeah, well, man. Moan, groan. That's all I'm going to say. And there's an open door in your face. But what's the problem? Well, what do I have to believe to receive? What's going to be for me? What am I going to get out of this? I'll tell you what I need. And that's all we ever think about when it comes to the word. A lot of times. What about me? What do I need? What do I want? What am I going to get? I'm believing God for this. I'm believing God for that. You know, this is what I, 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 I need to have this stuff here. What about the people going to hell? What do they need? Do you remember when you were on your way to hell? What did you need? You know what you're crying about right now that you need? You didn't need that when you were on your way to hell. You needed life. You needed a savior. You needed to accept the blood of Jesus to wash you clean. And only because of the blood of Jesus that washed you clean that you can get into a place of being selfish over the things of God. <laughs> Not you. I'm just, just a general statement. They. It's they. You know the they family. It's like you always figure they will take care of something in the church. They will do it. They family, they get blamed for a lot of stuff. He says, I open the door and no one can shut it. Now just look over in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. He says, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. All right? 
So that's one verse. Now write this one down, 2 Corinthians 2.12, and then Colossians 4.3. And they all have to do with the open, open door for the same reason. It has to do with preaching the gospel. So when Jesus says, I've opened the door for you, it's an opportunity for the preaching of the gospel. And notice what it says, there are many adversaries. Why? Because the devil opposes it. But yet he can't shut the door. If he can't shut the door, what's he going to do? Try to stop you from walking in it. That's what he's going to do. How does he do that? Tremors, earthquakes, create fear, so you won't walk in it. If we see a need for someone to be evangelized, instead of forcing the issue, pray for an open door. I remember being, I worked at this one dealership, and I had to get some parts at the parts counter, and there was a bunch of mechanics around there getting stuff, and as I walked up to there, I just really felt impressed of the Lord to witness to the person behind the counter. I was like, okay, Lord, but you know, there's a lot of people around here, and everybody needs something, and uh, if you want me to do that, you're going to have to make that way and just clear out the whole place. And before I knew it, everybody was gone. It was just me and him standing there. <laughs> so it was just getting that open door. Amen. And the open door will hit us right in the face when it comes. And it can't be shut. You just have to decide whether you're going to walk through it or not. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Go back to verse 8 in Revelation 3. Glory to God. Revelation 3. I know your deeds. Behold, I've put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power. Now, he's not talking about little faith. He's talking about little power, small power, microscopic, because it's a small church. It's small in numbers. But he says, and he says you have little power, and power means achieving power. It's the dunamis, the power of God, which is able and capable. Okay? So... Small numbers situated in a strategic position to have maximum effects. Small numbers situated in strategic position to have maximum effects. You have little power. You're a small church. You've got a few people, but you've got the power. You've got the dunamis power, and you're in a strategic position. Everybody comes through there. You can have maximum effects around the world. And you have kept my word and have not denied my name. The word kept means is that you were a warden and a guard over his word. You kept an eye on it and you watched it for the purpose of obeying it. You observed it attentively and kept it to the place of fulfillment, even in the midst of adversity and obstacles. You've kept it. Amen. And you have not, you have not, it expresses direct and full negation. You have not in any way, any form, any shape, you have not, not at all denied my name. And the word denied means to deny or to refuse. And some synonyms to this word in the Greek it means to place oneself against. You have not placed yourself against my name. You have not opposed my name. 
You haven't depreciated my name. Depreciation is a big one because the value of the name may not be the value we had on it some time ago. You know, when you're a kid and somebody gives you a silver dollar, you value that. Remember when you got your first silver dollar? You valued that. What do you do now when you get a silver dollar? It's just, it's just a dollar. Just You don't value it that much. It's probably worth 10 cents, but that's besides the point. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying about value. So to deny can mean to depreciate, to push away, to deflect, to avoid, to disapprove, to break faith with. And he's saying that they have not done these things with his name. Now, what does it mean? You have not, you've kept my word and have not denied my name. The name of Jesus encompasses all that he is, everything, everything that he is. You know, when I think about rich, I think about everything that rich is, you know. And I think about my wife. I think about all that she is. I think about Brian. I think about all that I know about Brian. You, you understand? So it's not just a name. It's all that that name encompasses. All that that name is a revelation to you about. You have not depreciated that. Which is kind of like, the church of Ephesus, you've left your first love. Verse 9. Behold, there's that word again. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but they lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. All right. There was religious persecution going on. In the, church, in the church of Philadelphia. And Satan had stirred up the Jews to stand against the church that they would not enter in to the open door. Now, not all the Jews, but these guys, okay? And, you know, Satan, the Holy Spirit and Satan in this respect is the same. They'll use anybody that allows them to. Satan will use anybody that allows him to. The Holy Spirit will use anybody that allows him. Right. So they were persecuting the church. They call themselves Jews, but they weren't. Well, if they weren't Jews, then they, were they Gentiles? No. What he's saying is the true Jew was the born again believer. That's the true Jew. So the true Jew is of the offspring of Abraham as the father of faith. That's the true Jew. Who were the ones in the um, upper room when Jesus was raised from the dead? And when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, who was in the upper room? Jews. Who was in that closed room when Jesus appeared to them in, the, in that closed room after he rose from the dead? Jews. Who was his apostles? Jews. Those were the true Jews. You understand? So when he says they say that they are Jews, but they're not. 
they are the ones that would argue with Jesus. Oh, Abraham is our father. He said, well, if Abraham was your father, then you would know, you would know me. Because Abraham was the father of faith that always pointed to the Messiah. Amen. Verse 10. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. All right? You have kept the word of my perseverance. Perseverance, the Greek word hupomene, which means to remain under. It's a bearing up under the pressures and adversities of life. You remain under, you're not looking to get out of it. You're not looking to, oh, if, I, if this could just fit, if I could just get out. No, you remain under it because you're remaining under the promise of God. Yeah. And endurance always has to do with things and circumstances, not people. Long-suffering has to do with people. Or actually, it's long-suffering. <laughs> but endurance has to do with things and people. And this word perseverance, hupomene, is associated with hope. So it's not like, oh, I'm just gritting my teeth and bearing it. I'm just putting up with this. I'm just hoping this would come to an end. No, it has a, it's associated with hope. The reason you stand and you bear is because there is that hope, and you know you'll come out the other side better. Yes. You'll come out the other side the victor. Isn't that right? Yes, it is the quality of character which will not allow one to surrender to circumstances or to succumb under trial. The pressures of life, it will not allow you to succumb to it. It won't allow you to um, um, surrender to those things. Endurance is the quality of character. It's a quality of character. And it's the, the character that, can, that makes you the strong person. That endurance, that's what makes you strong. The Bible talks about running the race with endurance. Remember that in Hebrews, run your race with endurance? And the word race is the Greek word agon, A-G-O-N, which means the contest for victory or mastery, like in the Greek games when it was to do with running, boxing, and wrestling. And it was a contest, run the race with endurance, it's doing the contest against all the enemies of man's salvation. What is the enemies of man's salvation? You know, we want to say, well, sickness and lack and, you know, but I mean, come on, we got to be growing beyond that. There's way more to the enemies of salvation. How about the lack of self-control? The lack of holding your tongue and not blowing up over things. That's an enemy of your salvation. The Bible calls it outburst of anger. It's an enemy of your salvation. Why? Because it's a deed of the flesh. Drunkenness, addictions. Unloving. You know, all of these things are enemies of your salvation. 
Jesus died so that you didn't have to live in any of that, that you can have victory over all of it. What is it, what good is it if you believe in God for money or believe in God for health and you have no self-control in your life? That doesn't help you. That lack of self-control. What if you don't have forgiveness in your heart? Doesn't matter how much you believe in God for health, that unforgiveness will kill you. After it drags you down into bitterness and resentments, destroys your life and ultimately kills you. These are all enemies. And we are to be in the contest against these things in our life through the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? It's a struggle. And the struggle, the race, is not always easy. But there's an endurance that's involved. Amen. The struggle and the contentions of life is not a reason to quit. They're a reason to endure. What good is quitting if you never have victory? You're going to have to go through it over and over and over again. Endure it, stand it, go through it, defeat it, come out the other side victorious. Persevere. You got staying power. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It was born on the inside of you when you made Jesus Lord of your life. You have the quality of endurance in you. Thank you, Jesus. You've got that inside of you. All you have to do is exercise it. And notice what Jesus said here. You have kept the word of my perseverance. My perseverance. In other words, just like I persevered the cross for you, that same is available to you without having to deal with a cross. That same perseverance, that which I have done for you and persevered the cross and gone through all that I went through so salvation could come to you, paid the price for your sin, gave up my life, shed my blood, went into hell and paid for your sin. I persevered all that for you. And you've kept the word because when you walk under perseverance, you're walking under my kind of perseverance. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The church of Philadelphia held on over and over and would not let go and endured. And Jesus said, because you kept, now I will keep you. I also will keep you from the hour of testing. Now, there are some folks that will say that you're taken out in the rapture. Others will say there is no rapture. You'll stay on the earth and you will be protected on the earth. But when he says here, I will also keep you from the hour of testing, the word from is the Greek word ek, E-K, which means out of. I will keep you out of. All right, so if he was going to say, that you, you'll be in the midst of it, but be protected, then he would use the word E-N or D-I-A, which means to go through something. But that's not what he said. Now, remember when he talked about, what was it in, I think it was in John 17. Go over to John 17. Verse 15. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from 
the evil one. Okay? So there he's talking about it. I didn't ask you to take them out of the world, so they're going to go through the world. Dia. They're going to go through it. But I'm going to ask you to keep them from the evil one. Okay? So when, uh, we go back over to Revelation. So when he's talking here in Revelation to the church of Philadelphia, and he says, uh, thank you. He says, I also will keep you from the hour of testing. Okay? It supports the pre-trib rapture. That the rapture is before the tribulation. Because you have kept the example of my endurance. We know that Jesus' whole life was an example to us. Well, all that he went through with the cross and all that was all an example of endurance. Because you've kept the example of my endurance, I will guard, I will keep, and I will protect you from the hour of testing. The word testing is the Greek word perissimo. I'm sorry. Pierismos. And it means the trial and the temptation. Now, let me tell you something about trials and testings. When God is the agent of testing, it is always for the purpose of proving somebody never to cause them to fall. When the devil is the agent of the testing, it's always to cause one to fall. And when the agent of the testing is the devil, then he's always going to do it through adversity, afflictions, and sorrows. When God tests you, all he's going to do is speak, to you, speak a word to you and then see what you're going to do. God will never use adversity. He'll never use sorrow. And he'll never use afflictions to test you. Never. Amen. I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. It is coming upon the whole world. All, it's coming upon all those that dwell in the world, on the earth, abide, the inhabited earth, the world. It's coming upon the whole world. But because you've kept my endurance, I will keep you out. From that testing. Now that was a word for their day. But it's a timeless word. And it's the same promise to us. That if we keep his word. Follow his example of endurance. We'll also be kept from that hour. So although this supports. A pre-trib rapture. It always brings up the question then. Does everybody go? And to be honest with you, with all that I've heard through the years, I don't know. It used to be, if you're a Christian, you're going. So everybody just lives like they want to live. Oh, whatever. We're going in the rapture. We'll be out of here. And then Charles Capps came out in the 90s, faith man. And he starts teaching about how everything in the kingdom of God is about faith. And if you're not believing for the rapture, you're not going. And then we have things like this. Because you have kept my endurance, 
therefore I now will keep you out. And then we have Jesus that spoke to his disciples, I think in the book of Luke, and he said, pray that you would have strength so that you can escape that which is coming upon the world. So is it an automatic? And there's only one answer to that. Be ready. Yeah. <laughs> be, stop playing your games and be ready. Yeah, it. it is coming. Amen. Amen. And don't play around. You need to live ready. We are in the contest. But there is a reward waiting for us. Just like Jesus who looked beyond the cross. You have to look beyond your contest. And that's what endurance has to do with is the hope of the end and the victory over it. Amen. Verse 11. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. Hold fast. It's a word krateo, which means to have strength. It means to grasp. To have power to rule, be dominant and master of what you have. So that, in order that, for this reason, that no one will take your crown. And the word take is the Greek word lambano, which does not mean to steal. But it means to take to oneself. So it's not that somebody will take or steal your crown. It's that another will receive it. Go to um, James 1.12 for a moment. Blessed is the man who perseveres, keeps my endurance. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, testings, and temptations. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown. The crown of life, which is actually the victor's crown, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The victor's crown is for the one that perseveres. You have kept my endurance. So he says, hold fast to what you have. What do you have? Endurance. Hold fast to what you have so that what? Nobody can take your crown, your victor's crown. If you let go of endurance, you're not going to get the victory. Somebody else will get your crown. Can you see that? So in other words, he's saying either hold on to your crown or let go by not doing what you're supposed to do. And the victor's crown will pass on to somebody else. Examples in the Bible, Esau, King Saul was another example. Judas Iscariot was an example. They didn't hold fast. They let go because the contest was too much for them. The race was too difficult. They backed off endurance and the crown went to somebody else. And Jesus says, I know what you're going through. I went through it myself. I know the struggle, but hold tight. Don't let go. Don't let go in action. Don't let go in attitude. And don't let go in your heart. And you will get your crown. Thank you, Lord. 
Amen. Just like we saw in the, the other church, uh, I think it was the church of Sardis, and he talks about your name in the, in the book of life. But it wasn't the book of life, it was the book about your life. And it was about your victories and where you fell short. And the records are being kept in heaven. And when we get there, the books will be opened. And we get to sit down with Papa. And we get to read the book. <laughs> and he's going to say, so what about that? <laughs> and what would you say? Don't say anything. Just don't say anything. <laughs> Here's two words that you should say. Only these two words. Thou knowest. <laughs> I've been practicing that. So just as he's been through the struggle, he knows our struggles. He's gone way, way beyond what we would ever, ever, ever think of, consider of, consider or or would ever go through he's gone way beyond all that but he went way beyond all that so you can go as far as you need to go for your victory amen back over to revelation 3 verse 12 he who overcomes i will make him a pillar in the temple of my god and he will not go out from it anymore and I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. Who's the promise to? Him who overcomes. The promise is always to the overcomer. It is never to the one that tries. It's never the one that intends to or even the one that attempts to. It's always the one that overcomes. The Greek word Nikkei, if you pronounce it in English, it's Nike, the overcomer, okay, the victor. So it's a present, active, continuous word, which means it's not a one-time event. I overcame once and I'm done. No, this is a continual life of overcoming that you develop in, that you grow in it. This is not something that happens overnight. You've got to get a hold of the Word of God. Get the Word of God in you. The power of the Holy Spirit works through that Word. will empower you and to help you so that you can be the overcomer. If you could not overcome, he would never say it. The only reason he says is because you can. And he's given us everything we need so that we can. Amen. And I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. A pillar. The, a pillar is the support of a building. And figuratively, it's any firm support, even of authority. A support of influence in the church. It's a support of something that upholds the truth. So they're going from little power to great stability, great support, and great strength. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he'll no more go out. Because when you go in, the door will be shut and there'll be no more going out. Just like the parable of the ten virgins, the five went in, the door was shut and nobody could get in behind them.
This church understood this because people were always going out. They were always running out. They were always in fear. They always had tremors. And they were running out of the great citadel of the, ch- of the, of the, of, of the city and into the mud huts. So when he says there'll be no more going out, then it's a promise of permanence, stability, no longer to live under the threats of earthquakes and tremors, whether it be from the natural volcanoes or whether it be from the persecutions that was coming against them. The answer is not in running out. The answer is never in running out. The answer is always in staying the course, staying to the finish and receive the prize and being shut in. That is always the answer. Amen. When Israel was at the Red Sea, God gave him one direction. Go forward. Go forward. Where was there to go? Into the Red Sea? He made the way through the sea, didn't he? It's always go forward, never go back, never back up, never relent, never give in, never back off. Always push ahead, always step up, always moving forward, always. That is the only answer in the kingdom. Amen. I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He'll not go out from it anymore. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. The name of my God depicts ownership. It signifies that all true Christians belong to God with an intimate, personal relationship that we have with him forever. This is not just a branding or a tattoo, but this is the name written of of our God. So the name of my God depicts ownership. The city of my God shows citizenship. You have citizenship in heaven's capital. Who has citizenship in heaven's capital? The overcomer. The overcomer. See, not everybody's going to get there. Not everybody's going to get to the throne. Not every saved person will enter into that presence. There are promises. There are levels. And that's part of rewards. The city of my God. We have citizenship in heaven's capital. It's another promise again of security, safety, and glory for the overcomer. The new Jerusalem, what comes down out of heaven from my God. Now, here's the kicker. And my new name. Whose new name? Whose new name? Okay, let's read it again. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar Who's speaking? He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He'll not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. Whose new name? He's going to have a new name. Exactly. That's what I said. Go to Isaiah 62, 2. It's 
says, the nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. A new name. My new name. So in the present day, this is incommunicable because it is known only to God. But it will be made known. And not only will it be made known, in fact, can we run back over there to Revelation again? Uh, verse 12, thank you. I will make him a pillar. I will, make, I will write on him my new name. So it will be revealed what that name is. And when it gets written on you, it'll be your name because you will be in perfect union in Christ. The believer will be entirely Christ, totally new in quality, assuming a new character. And here's the deal. Jesus is waiting for us to get there because he will enter in with his saints into a kingdom earned by his humiliation as the son of man. And he will then take his place and take on his new name. And as we have the right as a believer to that name of Jesus in this life, those who overcome will have a right to his new name in the ages to come. Now, I don't know about you, but the name of Jesus given to us in this earth encompasses all that he is. But yet, all that he is, we don't know. But when we get there, and if we're that overcomer, that name and all that he is then will become ours in the ages to come which means you will step into a whole new place in Christ in the ages to come. To me, that is a tremendous prize. What a great reward that would be. Do you want that? Well, he's given us everything we need so that we can. Verse 13, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Jesus is looking for an ear that will allow his words to affect their heart and allow his words to affect their life. Because it's only through those words that you just heard that you can step into that and that that reward can become your reward. Him who has an ear, hear. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Because what does hear imply? Doing. Implies obedience. If you truly hear it, you will do it. See, he who hears the word, will do the word. Because the righteous man shall live by faith, which comes by 
hearing the word of God. So I hear the word of God. Faith comes alive. I do the word because the righteous man lives by faith in obedience to the things that he's heard. Yes, you can. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hear it, let it affect your heart, and let it affect your life. So what is it that Satan wants to bring fear to us about? What does he want to chase us out of? What tremors, what are the shakes in our life all about? Well, just like the church at Philadelphia, he wants us to fear, he wants us to shake, and he wants to chase us out of evangelizing. He wants us to fear, he wants us to shake and chase us out of being the witness the Holy Spirit's made us to be. When Dr. Doug Wingate was here a few years ago, he declared by the Spirit of God that the grace of God is upon the people of this church to fill the church. But yet the devil wants to bring fear, bring tremors, and shake you so that you won't do that. And yet that was, what, three years ago? Four, four, maybe four, four to five years ago that was when that was said. And what did the critics say? Well, I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm waiting. And here's the next question for the critic. What are you doing? Just like Philadelphia, the Lord put an open door before them. So when the Lord had sent people to the church to speak over us as a body by the Spirit of God. And we know these are not fly-by-night people. These are people that are solid in the things of God. And they speak over this body. It is to open a door so that we could see and walk into it. But what about the fear? What about the fear of facing people? What about the fear of feeling rejected? What about the fear of being inconvenienced? What about the fear of volatile circumstances? Those fears shake us, brings tremors, causes us to quake. So that when a sign-up sheet gets put out to go out on the street, Oh, uh, you know, I think I got something to do that day. I'm sure. And most of it's because we're afraid to. Maybe this should be a Sunday morning service. Does that make sense to you? Now, even you guys that go out on the street all the time, you, you know you always have to deal with your flesh. You know, flesh is flesh. But you can't let the shaking shake you out of it. You can't let that tremor in your flesh that don't want to do something keep you from doing it. And that's when you have to rise up in his perseverance. 
and take your place and take your stand and walk into that open door that was made, that was created and set right in our face. Are you with me? How do you get over the tremors? How do you get over the shakes? How do you get over the fears? You look to the fertile ground that's all around you. Lift up your eyes and see that the harvest is already white and ready to be picked. There is fertile land all around and the ripe fruit is ready to be picked. And if we get our eyes in the right place, which would be off of ourself, we would make such inroads into the kingdom. Is this the thing you need to overcome? And walk in through that open door. Because there's rewards on the other side. This is one of the greatest rewards that the Lord promises to the churches. To walk in the open door and evangelize those that are around us. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Lift your hands to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we've declared these things as you have directed us to. And Holy Spirit, I believe undoubtedly that everyone's heart in the room, on live stream, on podcast, their heart has been open to receive what you have declared this day. So help us to take these things, think about them, ponder it, meditate on it, muse over it. That it would not only be something we hear in our physical ear, but something we start to hear in our heart. That the rumblings would start to take place within our spirit. And it's the rumblings of abundance, the rumblings of advancement, the rumblings of increase in your kingdom. Help us, Lord. To set our eyes on the fertile land around us and see the fruit that is ready to be picked. That your kingdom would be full. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one that set the open door. You're the one that has given us the ability. You're the one that has given us the Holy Spirit and filled us with dunamis power. That we can go forth. And we can do and accomplish what it is that you've said. For as it was declared, it is your grace that is upon us that makes us able to do. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you. We bless you. We glorify you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, you were born for just such a day as this. And that means that no matter what goes on in that world, 
no matter what goes on around us. It means you were born for this day and you are able to evangelize and bring the gospel of good news to the people of this day in which you have been born. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your Holy Spirit making these things real and alive on the inside of us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that the seed has been sown and that you will continue to work to bring it forth to bear the fruit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we come before you now with our giving, we do so by faith, believing what your word says, that there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. We declare what your word says over the seed that we sow tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that it will produce a harvest. And in that harvest, there'll be fruit, fruit to eat, fruit to share, and seed to sow again back into your kingdom. We thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. If you joined us on live stream or on podcast, thanks so much for being with us tonight. I do pray that the word of God has touched you and has brought some revelation and insight into your life that as you continue to grow in wisdom and understanding, you'll continue to increase in walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, you go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net. And I thank in advance for the seed that you sow. And if there's anything at all that we can ever pray with you about, please let us know. Our prayer team gets on it. We stand with you and believe God for your needs to be met. Amen. 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 Amen.